you're listening to Dialogues on 3CR Community Radio. Every Wednesday night at midnight. Hello, you're listening to Dialogues with me, Joe Raleigh. This week I'm talking to Michael Kelly. Uh, we're going to be discussing stories, making choices in life and connecting with other people. Now, I met Michael in a coffee shop which he runs in Carlton, which is one of the suburbs in North Melbourne. Uh, it's called the Heart of Carlton. And it's a really unique place for lots of reasons. Um, one of which is the fact that the first time I went in, I sat down, had my coffee, and then saw in front of me this printed out story which had been written and was just available for customers to read. And it was a fascinating and moving and really quite powerful story which I didn't realise until the end had been written by Michael himself so I was just you know, so interested to talk to Michael about what led him to writing this story and his life in general and his thoughts about life um, so I'm really grateful for him to coming on the show so Michael thank you for joining me mm. thank you for having me Joe absolute pleasure um, so if, if it's okay with you I think it would be great if we could start our conversation with you reading your story. Sure. At an age when many young people are starting a career or university, I was in jail for armed robbery. I was finished. I destroyed my life. All was blackness. Why would I now shoot myself in the foot by putting this story in the window of my beautiful shops? Well, I love the truth, so here goes. First, I'll go back some years. I grew up outside an idyllic little country town called Exeter, near Sydney, with my mum, dad, brother and two sisters and grandparents on a 40-acre property. I inherited from my mother and grandfather a work ethic second to none. My mother is a beautiful and dynamic woman, my father exceptionally kind, my grandfather one of the toughest men I ever met. His axe hangs in one of my shops, a reminder of the beautiful days we worked together. When I later faced mongrels in prison, I think of him and despise their corruption. The energy I learnt from them I took to another level. I revelled in the secrets and rewards of hard work. By the age of 17, I took myself to Europe on money I earned from, mon from working on local houses and properties. I liked to count at least 100 hours a week and still do. In the same year, I built my first handmade building single-handedly on a friend's property in the bush. It was mud brick with second-hand building materials, a pizza oven outside, water from a creek. It was unimaginably beautiful, like something from another time in history. I realised that I could do anything. I had great confidence. Our family, at the direction of my very smart mother, went on to build a handmade family home. It was outstandingly beautiful. One day when working on it, my passion collided with my mother's passion and we had an argument. She called the local priest, the local doctor and the local policeman. They all asked me to go and see a psychiatrist. Being a highly curious youth, I went along with it. 
The psychiatrist asked me to spend the weekend in his hospital to ensure my mother that I was okay, then I could go home. At the end of the weekend, I went to go. He said, you're not going anywhere. He indicated to three male nurses and they pounced on me and with headlocks and arm locks they dragged me off to a cell. They then stuck big needles full of diabolical drugs into me. Some days later, dressed in pyjamas, they took me before a magistrate. The magistrate asked me some questions and I responded in a drug stupor. He scheduled me to six months. This was a hundred times worse than any One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest film. This was a sordid reality unfolding. From the beautiful life I'd already known, I wasn't fooled by their, their ugly world for a second. I knew for a fact how stupid they were. At the first instance, I escaped. I was in the secure section, so it wasn't at all easy. My background of hard work gave me the skill to dismantle a window with a spoon and make a gap big enough to slip out under the bars. As I darted from the building, I heard a nurse call out, The little bastards escaped. About 200 metres from the building was a creek full of reeds. I got down into the creek and hid amongst the reeds, terrified. A group of them in white coats came running down to the creek, arguing as to which direction I went. He probably went that way over the hills. Get the Land Rover. I tremble now recalling it. In pyjamas, I made my way to the opposite, in the opposite direction across country. After five kilometres, I came out on the Hume Highway to rest spot. There was a couple in a caravan, so I went to them. Sorry to bother you. I pointed to a house in the distance and said, I've just come down from there. My wife left her insulin at a party last night. Can I get a lift to Barrel? The poor buggers believed me and got me out of there. However, I was soon recaptured by the police and taken back. This began a long series of escapes and recaptures. Too many stories to tell now. After six months, I was set before the magistrate and scheduled to another six months. I remember well sitting across an antique table from the head psychiatrist in his fine suit, surrounded by his books and academic ambience. He said, you're going to have to spend the rest of your life in mental institutions. He also said, I'm going to make a million dollars out of people like you. You may find it hard to imagine someone saying something so stupid, but you'd have to have known the irrefutable power they had over me. I silently vowed that one day I'd find justice. I just knew I would, somehow. I pictured getting these pompous psychiatrists and locking them up and giving them the exact drugs that they gave me and stripping them of all dignity and giving them a pen and paper and getting them to write a thesis on it. However, real justice doesn't really work like that. The situation was becoming increasingly impossible. It was either submit to them and their care and drugs or escape and be on the run only to be caught and brutalised back again by the police. When a lunatic escapes, the police are pumped more than usual. What would you have done? I determined that I would try to escape as far away as possible. I remembered the beautiful beaches of the Mediterranean and hanging out with young Europeans. By chance I met a man when I was out of the hospital that had committed a lot of armed robberies. I told of my situation and we conspired to rob a jewellery store. We got away with the crime for a very short period of time and quickly found ourselves in the notorious Goulburn and Long Bay prisons. Prison, as truly horrific as it is, was a picnic compared to being in the hands of psychiatrists.
At least I was in control of my mind. A prison yard is a more even playing field. Being in prison is like being at war. I realised that one day I'd be looking back on it and I wanted to be proud of myself. I set to work. I started training like no man. I was alone so I trained harder than everyone else. By the time the cell door opened each morning, I'd already done thousands of bodyweight exercises, sit-ups, push-ups, etc. Never did I let a guard see me in bed. I had more self-respect than that. Every day I'd run five miles. I had a punching bag in my cell. I'd spend hours perfecting my speed. When I got to prison, I got smashed by some hard bastards, but soon got harder than them and they backed down. I read everything I could in the prison library. Some pretty interesting books end up there. I read Dr Thomas Zars on the fraudulence of psychiatry and agreed with every word he said. I knew I had to be mentally, physically and psychologically stronger than everyone. I worked hard on my art. From scraps, I made the most beautiful things you can imagine. The other prisoners respected it. Eventually, some lecturers from Sydney College of the Arts came to my cell to see my work. They were stunned that someone could make such beautiful things in such a heavy, dark environment. They accepted me into a postgraduate degree, bypassing a degree. It was cool. What is the point of all this? Coming back to more recent years, many years have now passed since these experiences. They have been years of vigorous hard work and a multitude of experiences. My observation has been that most people that have had similar experiences to me have been destroyed. Few get past the psychological minefields and go on to shine brightly. I've always been interested in transformation from chaos to something beautiful. I love this in physical work, such as renovating an old building, but I'm much more interested in the transformation of people's lives. Underlying the work I do in my shops is this intense interest. I was a beautiful young man that escaped destruction by the skin of my teeth. Nine years ago, my wife and I came to Carlton. We saw a beautiful empty shop next to DOC and rented it from a very elegant man called Tony Nicolini who later sold it to us. Not knowing exactly what we would do, I sensed my destiny in doing something artistic that might sustain us. A lot of forces were driving me. We now have three shops on Drummond Street and two shops on Elgin Street from which I work. Upstairs we have Airbnbs which feature my work. It could be misinterpreted that what I'm doing is extravagant, but it is passion and my idea of medication. I have an extraordinary wife. We've been married for 19 years. She's a gift from God. I also have a beautiful daughter. My response, my warfare, is not to fight the world in a conventional sense, but it is to use everything I've got in the pursuit of what is good, beautiful, true, and most importantly, loving. I take the lowest materials, similar to when I was in prison, such as lard from old buildings, and then make all the things you see in my shops, intimate small picture frames, to small portable wooden buildings, the small wooden buildings are something that I love. They embody a sense of freedom for me going right back to my cottage in the bush. Some people get it, but most don't get how profound it actually is. 
the simple idea of making your own place with your own hands is so empowering, so dignifying. I'm into beautiful ideas that liberate and set free as opposed to repulsive ideas like psychiatry that do more damage than they do good, to say the least. I was fortunate that I had built my own little place and done so many true things before the glorious system got its hands on me. I've had to fight like a warrior every inch of the way to get here. I have beautiful visions for the future. I read the walls, I read the words on a prison wall, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I didn't know then what that meant, but I do now. Although there may be a certain sadness to this story, there are truths that speak of something great and something happy to which we can attain. Through the shops we have met so many, many wonderful people for whom I feel much affection. I am so grateful and so happy. Enough for now. Au revoir. Thank you very much for reading that, Michael. I wanted to start by asking you what led you to writing that story, your life story up to this point, at this point in your life? Uh, I think that really just surviving the, the previous decades has, has been a completely full-time occupation, uh, simply making ends meet. Um, I've had to work very hard physically, um, you know, mostly on, 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 on building sites and the like. And I've always had a passion to write, but at the same time, sometimes found it a little bit difficult. There've been many times where I've just had a, a notepad in my book while I've been on a work site, but I've sort of felt all I can really justify, you know, because I am being employed is just to write the odd note. But, um, you know, I felt that all accumulating and somehow or other, as I mentioned in the story, I, I knew that a time would come where somehow, I didn't know how, um, I would be able to have what I feel is some kind of justice in a beautiful way. Yeah. And um, also, because of the unusual situation of having so many little shops in Carlton, um, I often hear people through the glass, they say, oh, what is this place? And, uh, and and then they'll ask me. And it's sometimes just very difficult to explain because there's there's a variety of different work. It looks artistic, it looks practical. It's, it's a little bit unclear. So uh, I thought, well, um, I would combine um, an explanation of the shops with also the underlying catalyst to it all. Okay, so it's almost serving a few different purposes, writing this story. Is there something about your current situation that uh, is allowing you to write this story now then? Um, I mean, obviously, you, you, you're suggesting that you have a bit more time to do it, but is, is, is there something about uh, being in a certain place that you've arrived at that's allowing you to write this story? Uh, very much so. I also feel... Um, I even picked up a comment once from uh, Dr. Thomas Zars that he was a man who had quite different points of view, but he also recognised that in terms of the forces that he was up against, that he had to um, have himself in a position where he even had the financial independence to say some of the things that he wanted to say because he realised that he could be very easily cut down and destroyed. Mm -hmm. And I feel a similar thing in that um, the great dilemma... Um, that you suffer when you are 
accused of being insane is that it's the cliched old thing that what can you say to that because anything you say to that uh, people somehow other misinterpret that as being some form of insanity in itself so you mm -hmm. are really silenced by this um, condemnation and unfortunately right to very close quarters um, in a way that is extremely painful so I've also realized that um, to be able to say some of the deeper and more important things that I would like to say um, that I need a position of credibility mm, got it and and the position that you are in now within Carlton I mean I, I think you're you're you have a certain community status which which is obviously a uh, a consequence of the hard work that you put in over the years and that so that's this the position that you've gotten into which which allows you to say what you want to say at this point uh, correct and and uh you know people watch people and you know for 10 years uh you know people it's quite an intimate community in carlton and uh you know, people have watched my wife and myself get up very early in the morning, uh, you know, as early as four or five o'clock in the morning and working right through until after dark and uh, working perpetually. And, uh, you know, so people can see that um, this is not something that has come from any sort of privilege. Um, discerning people can see that every inch of it has been, you know, built by uh, hard work and soundness of mind. Yeah. When did you write this story and start putting it out there for people to read? Uh I, I did originally write a smaller version of this, which I had in a frame in the window many years ago, but the problem was that uh, people had to stand there and, and read it, so it required a little bit too much of people in that sense. Yeah. It was only one page, but also the constriction of one page meant that I, I couldn't touch on some of the other subjects, so e even three pages is, is not really a lot um, in terms of the gravity of some of those experiences, but at least it gave me that opportunity to touch on it more. And uh, I think that, um, well, I, I put this out uh, several months ago. Um, and Well, I think it's, it's, uh, it's so, it's fascinating and, and totally unique. Um, and I ask what the purpose of you writing it was, because, because I think it's, it's really interesting to me because it led us to having a conversation and it's it's led us mm. to to having this conversation now so it's really brought the two of us together yeah um and i wonder so i'm curious to know what kind of effect it's had on people mm. well really uh, you know i feel out of necessity i've been compelled to have to always kill a lot of birds with one stone um it's just been pure survival to keep my head above water i've had to have that mentality and the way that this has worked has actually been quite extraordinary i realized i, I was taking a certain risk in uh exposing my belly so to speak absolutely um but thousands of people have in fact taken the story and literally hundreds of people Mm -hmm. have um, then come back to me. And the purpose of this story, on the one hand, of course, I'm expressing my own story, but um, my concern is uh, probably the same concern that a lot of people have, is just where we are in history and the kind of uh, 
inhibition that people feel, the kind mm. of political correctness that has everybody watching every word they say. Yeah. And it has resulted um, in a situation where people are not really being very honest. So yeah. you can you can quietly grieve that or you could potentially attempt to break the ice somehow or other. So in me putting this story there and um, you know being quite frank about these different experiences, m most of which I'm proud of, but some of, some of which are quite private also, yes. um, it has resulted in a situation where not only do I have the joy of meeting somebody like yourself, uh, I have had so many people have come to me and they have just felt an honesty through the story and a, and a comfort to be able to tell me things which they have been thinking about and carrying around which are just absolutely devastating. It might be a child who has committed suicide or, 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 or a brother. Um, completely unrelated experiences except for the core fact that uh, they're deeply personal and deeply honest and they're the kind of things which are just really pulling so heavily on people. So it, it has had this effect where the connections that I've made um, have just been uh, life-saving even to me, you know, yeah. um, on, on a personal level. And, uh, you know, people have just sort of come back in and, and they're crying and they tell me something and within the shortest period of time, a friendship is formed over deep, meaningful, personal things. Yeah. And, uh it's um, it's like nothing nothing I've experienced. So coming back to in a sense the story, I, I feel a a beautiful justice on a completely different level that um, you know defies the system uh, has occurred mm. by you know a very logical means. Yeah. Well, when you wrote the story and you made it available for people to read, did you expect that kind of response, that kind of consequence of connecting which you've just described or were you hoping for that in particular uh look i was very much hoping for it um but not every brave move you make in life pays off mm -hmm. you know sometimes you can jump from a very high bridge and hurt yourself very badly but other times it can it because can this be. is a risk that you've taken you know you're you you have exposed yourself in in a in a, in a public way really uh, to, to your community I have, but maybe going back to your question before, like why now? Well, maybe uh, I've fought enough battles and I've been involved in enough discussions with people and I understand human nature enough to be able to work in such a way that I can potentially turn each of those interactions to advantage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So even if, uh, uh, on the one hand, uh, it's it, it seems to have only invited to my knowledge, very positive interactions. Yeah, um, I do feel uh, fully prepared. Uh, you know, like a a student in a sense to really just take on anything that might come my way. Mm. And I I can see how in the current cultural climate, it it is almost required to make it this act of this sort of vulnerable. Uh, proactive act of putting yourself out there in order to allow people to come towards you and join you in, in order to have a true, intimate, engaged connection with other people because it is so easy to avoid those kinds of connections or because the opportunity for those connections are so rare. 
and this comes back to i think the broader topic of what you're doing with your coffee shop and, and your other shops in carlton it's it is so much more than just a coffee shop and there are so many of them in melbourne melbourne is known for being a coffee culture city mm. but what you're doing in the heart of carlton is you know the coffee shop is really the vehicle for creating a space for people to get together and i've seen it myself mm. in, in coming to the place uh, you know it is a real place of genuine connectivity mm. um, and it clearly is a result of the kind of attitude and vision you've had for, for building this thing that you want but also you know a very effective way of going about it mm. and i just wonder where all of that comes from where where that that vision and that ambition and that 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 grand idea comes from well it's probably a contradiction to speak of your own humility but um some things in life they have a profoundly humbling effect um just a, as an analogy, something that I've just thought a number of times recently is just the thought that something like a, a Holocaust, for instance, it can have a result where it can make people even more bitter than the persecutors. Um, on the other hand, someone can be so deeply affected by the human experience that they are compelled to really dig deep to find real answers that will really um, nourish the spirit and the soul. So even in my own case, I feel very strong. I feel incredibly strong, but at the same time, uh, I, I feel a deep, deep pain in myself. And uh, I, with the utmost genuineness, I seek all things good. And I, I, I believe so strongly in that simple thing, as simplistic as it may sound, and in an age where people are very confused about what is good and what is bad. I am passionate about the pursuit of what is good to rise up out of whatever difficulty one may be in. Um, that, that's the core of my belief. And, and and is it that that's that that's driven you to to create what you have in Carlton with these these shops and this this coffee shop? It, it is. It is. Mm. Well, I mean, I think you know, I, I obviously don't know too much about your your personal life, but I think re from having listened and to and read that story, I can understand why you would be carrying around pain and i think so many people do i think you mm. know it's probably part of being uh you know it's part of the human condition to to carry pain but of course some people are more or less fortunate than others but what really strikes me is the fact that i think you have been through quite extraordinarily difficult times in your youth and have come out the other end with yeah, a very positive attitude towards life. And yet so many people who would have had a similar experience will not have risen in that way. They won't have transformed in quite the same way. 
and you know understandably so because they're going through such tough times uh, like you said a minute ago you know many people come out more bitter than the people who were persecuting them um, so what what is it about you that do you think has has allowed you to to come out of those darker times well certain things clicked um, some time back which I was probably compatible to in my growing up and it is as I was touching on before a realization of the profound necessity to pursue what is good mm. and I have a Bunsen burner on myself in relation to that in terms of the things that I've seen from every level and every sector of society. Sometimes I don't know who I'm more unimpressed with, you know, the depravity of men in prison um, or the um, people that hang off these various systems or, or I don't know, you know, we all, we all see the same world. We realise we live in a very, very troubled world and uh, we're at a particular point and... Uh, Myself, I think that there is... I, I heard Bob Dylan make some comment in relation to this on some radio interview, and he said, everyone's talking about vice. It's all about vice. It's all about vice. He said, who's talking about virtue? Mm. Now, you know, in a similar way, uh, there is this extraordinary calling for people to work out what is good and, and pursue it with everything that they've got. You know, we're all in a very, very serious predicament on a worldwide scale in our, in our own countries, in our own communities. Uh, my wife and I, through the pursuit of goodness, have single-handedly established, we rent, you know, and we pay hungry landlords who must be paid, some of them nicer than others. But we have done that all with our own hands it's just honest hard work you know it's like something from another period in history but everything is a little bit high-minded now and people do not realize that the secret is in 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 the most simple things and and there is a tremendous tremendous calling for it you know that my question is how, how does how does one find the motivation to do that if it isn't naturally there or if they've become disconnected to it how do you how do you find that within yourself you know, I I know that almost everybody, most people want to do well and they want to be nice to each other and they want to live fulfilling, nice, good lives where they're making the world a better place. But we're not born with equal opportunities. Some people have really tough upbringings. And that's why it's, it's so interesting to me to talk to you because I think you, you have had uh, more challenges than other people with respect to um, going about doing the things that you want to do. So... Uh, where did you find or how did you hold on to that motivation to want to live that good life? Well, yeah. look, unfortunately, you know, some things and maybe sometimes some people are a litmus test. And a lot of the things that I went through um, are bound up with ideas and philosophies of what I consider to be irresponsibility. I can't help it kind of ideas. And what I say could easily be misinterpreted as lacking in sympathy, but I care so deeply about the degraded things that I've seen. 
I think very carefully about the answers and the answers are to be found in, you know, passion for virtue and belief in good things. And that is something that a person of their own free will, of their own choice, has to experiment with. Mm-hmm. But I'm into arguments of responsibility mm-hmm. and taking responsibility. And uh, I'm very little interested, in a sense, in concepts of rights and so on. Like I see, we all see people who are pleading for their rights in all sorts of areas. Well, you know, in my own case, I feel like I had the privilege of having every single right and every single dignity totally stripped from me. And those things become completely meaningless. And me complaining about my lot in life or my rights was not the thing that saved my life. The thing that saved my life was having had a taste of the the simple, beautiful things like working hard, like working very hard, using my hand, using my body, bending my back, you know, fundamental things, you know, Mm -hmm. like even my, my, my own wife is a very similar disposition. People might look at our lot in life and think well aren't they fortunate but are they prepared to get up yeah. you know at four four or five o'clock in the morning and clean brunetti's toilets year in year out mm-hmm. or are they prepared to work through the night uh cleaning all of brunetti's and doing whatever is necessary to to survive now yeah the point is that all of these things are, are really only possible by taking taking responsibility and in some ways, I can get away with that argument a little bit more, you know, because when it when it comes to the different excuses for people that people have for their criminality, I don't buy any of the arguments because I've had to live in close quarters with every criminal person that you can imagine. Yeah, and I don't buy their excuses. I I feel for the difficult predicaments that they are up against. Yeah, but they also have the choice. You know, they can look around and they can see other people who are playing the same games that they're playing, but they can also see beautiful people who are working hard, working very, very hard to not be like that. So personally, I'm very, very unimpressed with criminality, you know, and I'm very, very um, unimpressed with this age of um, hiding behind every mental disorder in the book. Now, that might sound a little bit radical in, in terms of the times that we live in and everybody's not feeling very good. Mm-hmm. I recognise the fact that people are not feeling good, but how do you get up out of feeling good? Do you get up out of mm-hmm. feeling good by taking a pill and being lazy? Mm-hmm. You know, I care passionately about getting up out of out of these predicaments. So, but it sounds like you there was a certain fortune in having had those positive experiences early on in life, like working and working for something important and simple and pure and mm. foundational and knowing what it feels like to have to have that positive unambiguously positive feeling mm. and it sounds like that was that was what inspired you to get through the challenges that you've got through but other people may not have had that that okay. basis but then does that not prove the absolute importance of um, the kind of influences that we have upon ourselves. And well, does that, does that not prove how vitally I- important um, good influence is and, and upbringing? So yeah. um, it really 
in a funny sort of way, if you twist that argument around, you know, appropriately, it just really shows how incredibly important it is that um, people take responsibility in all things. So, okay, you might be a drug addict, for instance. Now, are you are you going to now revisit all of that on 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 your children? That now people might say, look, there's no choice in that, and have some some very strong and persuasive arguments, but. There, there are other arguments to be had mm. uh, about just how serious things are and mm. how important um, working out what is right and what is wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I would say that that imbalance in, in fortune uh, also shows the import- equally shows the importance of the responsibility that we have towards other people. Because if you find yourself in a position where you have wealth and time and the opportunity to care about other people who are in a less fortunate position then there's a certain responsibility there to offer a hand or at least offer an experience that they can then go away and keep and use to inspire them to do better things Mm. Um, because you know people are, are growing up within a certain culture and may not know any differently um, it, it's you often internalize the kind of values and beliefs that you grow up that, that exist mm. within the culture that you grow up in and without somebody showing you a better way which mm. may be perhaps healthier or allow you to live a more balanced mentally physically uh, life then you probably are prone to, to going down paths that uh, mean that you're more likely to to surrender your responsibility and to to kind of lean on on things like you know do, do you know what I mean? I do. Well, I I don't. I think that everything is a case by case. It's it's a very person by person uh, situation, mm-hmm. and uh, you can't judge someone because you can't actually read their heart. You can't you can't do that. But a person of privilege. In their case, possibly the apple hasn't fallen far from the tree. So a person of privilege could be profoundly selfish, and they could be a parasite on society. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, someone who's who's grown up in uh, an environment of uh, poverty and let's say criminality. Yeah. Um, you know, can can someone from a, a position of privilege have a positive influence and an inspiration on that? Of course, of of course they of of course they can. But I also maintain from everything that I have seen that um, it is all about free will. It is about personal choice. And uh, personally, I'm completely and totally unimpressed with men who will not rise up, or women for that matter, but yeah. you know, I'm talking about some of the experiences that I went through yeah. where men will not get a grip of themselves and turn themselves into men mm-hmm. and do what they ought to do and uh, you know, stop doing their lying and their 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 drug taking and these things and get a grip of themselves and do life hard you know what i mean do life hard you know like uh, i can assure you you know i've met a multitude of murderers rapists and so on and so forth and i've had to live closely with them and i'm not impressed with them you know they're not tough guys yeah you know what i mean put them out into a real situation where they've got to work all day and they'll be whinging in five seconds so you know i think with everything we've got to a point where if you want to, you know, maybe society at large couldn't be bothered. Well, everyone will be responsible for their own situation. But for people who really want to do something beautiful, uh, 
you've got to get a grip of yourself. And uh, if you believe in what is good, you'll do it. And there, there is no background that precludes anybody from rising up to be a beautiful person who is looking after other people and loving other people. Mm-hmm. That uh, completely contradicts the magnificence of, of the human being. Mm-hmm. No matter how much a person has damaged themselves, okay, so you can find one anomaly you know, in a thousand. Well, I'm not talking about that. But in terms of the rest of us, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've also had to struggle beyond my own self-abuse. Mm-hmm. So I'm talking from experience, and that is what we have to do. You know, if, if you're doing something that is wrong and is hurting yourself and hurting other people, you eliminate it and you embrace good things and uh, you, you, you become a source of goodness. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, you belligerently persist with what you're doing and you torture yourself and everyone in your midst. So I think this, this is really what it comes down to. And I have seen every argument and I've also seen every argument for why people are allegedly um, uh, mentally disturbed and so on. And you know, I have, I have similar kind of views. I deeply feel for people's situations, but at the same time, yeah. um, there, there comes a point where each person has to be incredibly honest. And you mentioned in your story that um, you have this commitment to truth and finding the truth in things. Is there any any sort of advice you might have for people about how, how they might go about finding truth, the truth, or their truth, or a truth, how well, that process I, I think occurs. one of the toughest things is that you probably have to believe in that idea to start with. Um, but we live in an age now of relative truth and political correctness where uh, what is true for you is true for me, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But it really doesn't take much mental discipline to see that truth applies in a multitude of areas. Like, would you like to fly in an aeroplane where principles of truth did not exist? How are we conducting this um, interview here without principles of truth that uh, govern the the electronics, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. So I think in the first place you have to believe, uh, you as a doctor, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, do you believe in principles of truth? Of course you do. You may not have it perfect, but that is year after year after year what medicine would be striving to do. Yeah, yeah. You've got principles of anatomy and physiology that you're, that you're working within. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that has to be your belief from the outset. And I think that many people look at the world and they think, boy, there's a million ideas out there, a million belief systems. How could you possibly work out what is true? Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's as hard as it seems because there are a lot of things which don't take much examination to prove that they are not, not true. So I think it's – and then you are, you are limited down to a smaller number of things which you will examine in greater detail. Mm-hmm. But everything can be proved as as true, and when you prove something as true, there's great joy and happiness in it, and and confusion drops away. You know, mm-hmm. has the world ever been more confused than where it is at the moment? Has it ever been more divided mm. in its ideas and opinions? And this is the very sort of thing that is also just destroying people's minds and resulting in so-called, which I don't believe it in this sense, mental health problems. Mm -hmm. But really, it's just a a tremendous confusion that we live in. So how do you get out of that? Well, I think you've you've fundamentally got to believe that truth exists and to believe in the power of it and in the pursuit of it. And 
that can take some time, but the reward goes to those who who try to do that in every area. Mm. And uh, we're, we're all as free as each other mm. uh, to do that today. Yeah. Right now and in the next hour and whatever we do to the end of the day till we go to sleep and then get up tomorrow. And then you get the reward as a consequence of, of, of following that. So I love to follow that as much as I can. It's like, okay, you have a conversation with someone, you come face to face. Um, you know, it's not like a, an inquisition or something like that, but you um, try to work out what's going on and uh, then you can have a lot of joy, a lot of understanding. Okay, so, so you're saying that direct communication, engagement, conversation is, is one of the main methods to establishing a truth. Well, well cer- certainly with people, you know, but mm-hmm. then I think we we also have to work out um, what is true and what is false in terms of the ideas that have been accumulated in, in, in the world. Yeah. So yeah. however you want to do that, okay, you might be listening to something on YouTube. Well, you have to think for yourself and think, okay, is this is this true? Is is, is this false? And you, you go in with a mentality of really trying to um, get to the bottom of things. This is this is my question. What does the pursuit of truth look like? How how does how does one go about it? So it's a matter of engaging with facts that are out there and critically trying to appraise well, those things. Uh, I, I recall once I painted a house for a uh, policeman, and he was an aviation uh, an aviation investigator, and I said to him prior to that he'd been a detective, and and I said to him what's the difference between the work that you're doing now and the work that you're doing then? And uh, he said that really they're exactly the same. It's all about investigative procedure. Mm. So you take a problem and uh, you put put it to work and you find out what the problem is. So I think to have confidence in that simple procedure, mm. it works a marvel in everything you do in life. You could mm. have a little problem with something in your house you could whatever it might be if if you have the confidence that okay if i'm not lazy if i simply go to the problem and try to work it out i have Mm. the ability to most of the time work it out but Mm -hmm. then okay you mightn't be able to quite work it out yourself but then maybe a friend might be able to help you work Mm. it out but we can get to it and then when you get to it you get results and you get joy and you get happiness but well i was going to ask how because I can see, you know, in a criminal a criminal investigation, you know, it's very clear when you've discovered the truth about that that problem or that case. But with something slightly more uh, abstract, like yeah. truths in life, um, how? Yeah, my question would be, how do you know that you've arrived at that truth? Hmm. I mean, it's, uh, you, well, you may have look, pointed this, at is, this is possibly, uh, you know, one of the great questions of our time, um, and. Maybe we have to uh, tread even more thoughtfully than we have in previous times because it seems like a lot of people have got themselves bottlenecked in some crazy ideas which are like plagues and are taking down vast numbers of people. So you really, I think, have to apply yourself in, 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 in a very disciplined way and a very thoughtful way and a very loving way also because, okay, I mean, I made some comments before which were tipping, uh, touching on being a little bit radical, but at the same time I feel prepared to qualify some of those comments in regard to, say, mental health and, and, and so on or having a, a perspective about criminality. But there are many other subtle things which have come in 
um, that we really do have to be incredibly thoughtful about and uh, you have to apply a lot of different different uh, things to be very respectful and loving of people and realising that, uh, you know, to a degree also, contrary to what I was saying before about responsibility, that people for periods of time, all of us, um, uh, can be stuck at a per- certain point in, in, in our knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, the... The 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 real answer, in a sense, to to what is true, and and I think that you're you're kind of getting towards uh, things which are probably reflecting some of the things that I've been saying. Um, you know, to do with let's say things like, well, what is what is virtuous? You know, that that, or what is good, or what is bad? You know, they, these that they sound like terribly simplistic terms. You know, but at the same time, for the sake of clear communication. Alternatively, we could we could throw a pile of, um, you know, books at you, which uh, or at each other that um, are so complicated in their terminology and their theories that nobody learns or understands anything that's happening. So sometimes things have to be broken down to a to a more simple language as a starting point. Yeah, um, I mean, for the here and now, uh, in in some ways, I feel a little bit cautious about um about the subject i've i've made certain um indications uh but i also think that in some things you do have to prove something to yourself and no matter how much you try to stress a particular point, often you will have disbelievers. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to put on the table some very, very clear and powerful proof of something. I mean, this entire conversation here, in a way, it's um, come to a point of something which stems way back. Um, I wrote in this story that, you know, one one day I hope to find justice. Now... Um, I was told I would have to spend the rest of my life in mental institutions. I had various diagnoses put on me. That was a tremendously crippling thing to put on a young person. And many yeah. young people have this sort of thing put on them. Yeah. Uh, somehow or other, um, I got beyond all of that, and here I am now. So you can judge by my words, by my logic, the things that I'm saying. They're somewhat abstract things, but a discerning person can listen intently Mm. And think, well, is this guy insane? You mm. know, um, does this guy need to spend the rest of his life in a mental institution? Mm. How is it that he has established himself in such a thoughtful way within uh, a very nice suburb like Carlton? Mm. Mm-hmm. What's really going on? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. yeah. So the proof of a lot of things can really only be in that rigorous examination mm-hmm. or the disciplines. Yeah. But I think, I think that uh, arriving at the truth behind, uh, you know, superficially simple-looking things and ideas, or or at least arriving at the truth behind things which may be confused, does take that analysis and that looking under the skin and going uh, beneath the surface. And you can get that to a degree with 
with books and and just you know reading about things and engaging yourself critically mm. but you may not naturally be inspired to do that whereas i think with conversation and with connecting directly with another human being talking about their life and their experiences and their philosophies about life that's the way that <clears throat> or at least that's a very direct and clear and in some senses easy way of learning about your own views on things as well as learning about what else other people's views you know the other mm. views that are existing there in the midst of things and it's a very effective way of clarifying exactly what the problems are out there and what your approach to those problems may be even if you haven't arrived at a definitive position on that particular problem yet and that comes back to why i think your story is so useful and powerful and has um understandably had the effect within the community that it has had because it is a, a slice of you which you've put out there which is very um, naturally engaging with people on that deeper level which you can only get when somebody uh, opens up and and it just suddenly carves out this space for people to actually communicate on that slightly deeper more connected level and then from then onwards you you can you get these conversations you get these important conversations that need to be had mm -hmm. about about so many you think about all of the things we've been talking about today these confused things that aren't clear that perhaps need more clarification and i think that that can only happen when there is this this community wide this national or this international conversation and it's not as if anybody's ever going to get to the bottom line i don't think that's what the point of it is but the point of it is at least to understand the landscape and to know why you might be thinking or feeling a certain way or perhaps giving you the tools or the inspiration to change particular things about you or uh you know advising other people ways that they might help themselves and i just think all of this can be enabled by connection and i think what as i say what you're doing in carlton is a microcosm of that and that's clearly how it starts but, you know it starts with these one-to-one -one interactions that's that's the medium uh, throughout which all of this must exist they're the basic units of of big societal change for the better it's it's only ever communications between individual people mm. um and it's you know that's sort of the point of this radio show as well mm. it's about it's about connecting people together having real conversations and hopefully hopefully people listening in can can be involved with that as well and hopefully gain from it um mm. so mm. well <laughs> uh really uh you know i think conversations like this whether they they are like a radio interview or whether uh they the multitude of conversations that you can have um that this sort of thing is 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 tremendously exciting and uh it's a very humble and simple thing but any of us can do it any time um, you can do it with really anyone from any walk of society. Okay, sometimes you've got to be a little bit brave and sometimes you're going to say the wrong thing or you're going to embarrass yourself, but that doesn't matter. You, I mean, you don't want to be too proud. Uh, and um, I really 
you know do do believe in a lot of these these basic sort of um, processes. Uh, I also think that really there are a multitude of things that we have. You know, the the human brain is uh, more extraordinary than anything else. <laughs> Uh, we have um, amazing eyes which, with which we can see and discern all sorts of things. We have ears. Uh, we have these very simple, powerful devices with which we can um, do extraordinary things. Um, there are a lot of forces against us which are um, having a degrading effect throughout the world, but we are all individually equipped with the ability to do extraordinary things. And uh, that, despite you know, some of the stresses and strains, is uh, a privilege before each of us. And uh, uh, it, it, is, it is really quite wonderful, the endless potential that is, is before us and uh, you know, the happiness that can come. So justice can be had. You know, people say there is no justice. There is no justice. Well, I believe in justice, but we have to also go about it in, in once again, uh, a very virtuous way. There, there are certain things that we cannot do. You know, the temptation is great along the way to behave in an appalling way as an expression of our deep feelings, but that's not the way. We have to find the way. And uh, as confusing as the whole scene seems now, there is uh, tremendous hope on a personal level because every person, every day, is free to avail themselves of these beautiful intrinsic qualities. And uh, the re reward is very individual. So um, that's what you have to work with. And to what degree that has its effect? Well, time tells. Well, Michael, uh, I think that's a lovely way to end the show. Uh, unfortunately, we've come to the end of our time and the end of this dialogue. Uh, but thank you so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. You've been listening to Dialogues on 3CR Community Radio 855 AM. You can download the podcast by searching for Dialogues on your podcast app. And email us on dialogues3cr at gmail.com or find us on Facebook, just search Dialogues3CR.